I get to introduce our speaker tonight, which you all know, Pastor Justin Ross. I want you to stand and honor this man as he comes up. You know, and honor does something in our hearts when we give honor. And one of the things that I honor about Justin is that he is a father. And out of his own story of allowing God to father him, he has been given the voice of the father and the heart of the father to actually speak from his perspective to, I believe, father this church and father uh, young and old generationally. And so there is such an incredible gift of wisdom on this man. And the more that I have pulled out of him on this gift, the more that I have received and been given words to understand what's going on in my life, what's going on inside of me, how I walk in the kingdom. So I just want us truly from your heart, like I want you to stand again and let's honor this man of God and let's, let's pull on the gift, right? Let's just, we're just pulling it out tonight, all right? We want all of it. Wow. Okay. Woo. Man, that's good. I too was getting wrecked in worship. We got a worship team. That was amazing. But it's really hard to preach after that when you're getting wrecked by God. And I so appreciate Jordan's encouragement of shake off, shake it off. Because all my teams that played this week lost. So I was shaking stuff off left and right. Anybody else's teams lose this week? Yeah, I think it was a pandemic thing. I'm excited to be here. A month ago, I preached a message on honor. Who was here for that? And since then, I'm absolutely convinced God is up to stuff. He's up to something very significant among us. And tonight we're going to dig into honor some more. So we're going to contextualize honor. We're going to look at honor in the home. And we're going to look at honor through the generations. Because we are called to be a multi-generational church. A multi-generational family that honors each other. Amen? And so we're going to dig deep into honor tonight, but you know, since a month ago when I first preached on honor, I started hearing stories trickle in of people who had seen honor change environments. And so I just want to hear, I just want to bring a couple people up and we're going to share some testimonies. Do you guys know what testimony means? It means do it again. So Tom, Chris, would you guys come up real quick? We're going to share some quick testimonies of honor changing the atmosphere. And I just want to share a quick story that I heard. She couldn't be here tonight to share it, but it was a story of honor shifting something. This woman approached me and she said, you've got to hear this story. I heard, I heard the message on honor. I was out of town, but I heard the message on honor. And I was, I was with my family and we were with uh, my father-in-law and my father-in-law was, was just, um, he was kind of getting a little prickly with our family. Anybody have any prickly father-in-laws out there time to time? And it was kind of eroding the atmosphere. It was kind of just, it wasn't that fun. And she goes, I remembered the message on honor. And I remembered to start looking for the gold in this man. So she starts looking for the gold in this man. And she starts speaking to him saying, I honor the way you've served your family. I honor the way you've sacrificed for us. And she starts one by one speaking honor into this man, her father-in-law. And lo and behold, what happened next? He started to soften. He started to calm down. He started to get more warm and friendly. He started to change, and the atmosphere completely changed in what was happening. And she says, I was there for three more days with my father-in-law, and the entire time, the atmosphere was changed. It was different. All because she chose to honor. She chose to see the gold. When there's a lot of dirt, it's easy to see. But she chose to find the gold in that man and call it out, and it shifted the atmosphere. Amen? Isn't that a good word? Amen. Well, here we go, Chris. Tell us about your story. Awesome. Um, so I was... I think it was the last men's ministry night we were at, and the theme of the night was, where are you at? And I was in a place where 
I was all over the place. I was doing really well in one area. I was doing terrible in other areas. Desert season over here, you know, in an amazing season over here. So I didn't have any clarity. I was super confused. I had a, I went into it thinking I was going to do ministry at the men's ministry night and end up being something for me. Um, I sat down with two older gentlemen. They were probably in their 50s or 60s. And I sat down and just pretty much word vomited everything that was going on. Probably didn't make any sense um, because I was, I was in such a haze. And one gentleman just stopped me. He was, know, he's probably in his 60s. And he says, it sounds like you need to simplify your life. And as soon as he said it, something broke. And it, clarity, it almost like the clouds just parted. And all of a sudden, the two older gentlemen just started going into stories about what they did when they had children that were young and how they knew when their children needed them and when to quit things, when to stop things, and how to shave off things in their life. And it radically changed. I felt like I got delivered. I got in the car, called my wife, and it felt like I got so much clarity that I got home. I don't do spreadsheets. I went home. I got a spreadsheet out, and I just talked about everything I need to shave off my life, everything I need to be intentional with, and it was, it was incredible, and it literally came from the older generation just telling me, you need to simplify your life, and God just broke something in that one comment, so. Um, I own my own company, uh, it's a window cleaning company, and uh, particular day last week, I was extremely busy. I had nine requests for estimates to do in one day. That's a busy day for anybody. And so I'm, I go to one of my first estimates and I talk to this older gentleman. I give him the estimate. We talk that and about the windows. And then he said, well, and then he started talking negative about himself and how he's a veteran. He's been, he was in the army for 30 years, married to the military, gave up and sacrificed a family life. And so now he's almost 70 years old, has nobody, and he was talking just really bad about himself. His self-worth was just so small. And I, I just started speaking life into him and telling him that he's worth, he, he, that he's a, he's, a, he's a good man. He served our country. And I, I just kept building him up. And I said, you know, if you ask Christ into your heart to be your Lord and Savior, you are now royalty. And he goes, I don't feel like royalty. I said, I know, but you can be. You can experience that if you ask Christ to come into your heart. I said, would you like to have Jesus into your heart? And he goes, yeah, I would. And, and so I, I led him in the sinner's prayer, and, and, and it was just like the Lord just touched him. And I'm telling you, people, there's low-hanging fruit there is low-hanging fruit for some. They're all around you. You just don't know who they are yet. And you have to be willing and open to say, God, use me today, whatever that looks like. Whatever interruption of my schedule, the planner, you know, here's my planner, Lord, and just take it. And he kept telling me. He wanted to cut it short. And he said, no, 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 I, I, you need to go because you have so much to do. And I said, no, you're more important. You know, so I, I honored him, and then the, the Lord just opened his heart up. Come on, Jesus. Thanks, guys. Yeah, what I love about those stories is honor opened up something. Honor unlocked something. Honor lo- unlocked that man's heart, that veteran man's heart. And pretty soon the gospel came through that. And that's what... That's what we're going to dive into a little bit more today. You know, I believe we are in a Malachi 4-6 season right now. Malachi 4-6 says, He, meaning the spirit of the one who will carry the spirit of Elijah, John the Baptist, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. And you know, if you know much about John the Baptist's ministry, it was a ministry of repentance. He was preparing the way for the Messiah, Jesus, to come. And repentance is exactly what had to happen so that the kingdom of God could come. Jesus' main message was the kingdom of God is at hand. John's message was repent, change. 
the way you operate. Change the way you think. And I believe we are in a season, I've heard story after story, I've seen it with my own eyes, that we are in a season when God's doing something special in our generations. The old and the young coming together. And I love the language that says, He will turn the hearts. He will turn the hearts of fathers to children and children to fathers. Wow. You're turning the hearts, God. You're turning our hearts. I was so proud of us as a church the night Richard Gordon was here. How many were here that night? So proud of us for honoring the Holy Spirit. What the Holy Spirit was doing in the room was powerful. Many of us were marked by the Holy Spirit. Who was marked by the Holy Spirit that night? Many of us were marked that night. One of the things we talked about in honor a month ago was we have to honor the Holy Spirit and what he's doing in the room. And I watched. I watched us do that. It was such a great night to be a pastor in this church, in this house, to watch the Holy Spirit move and to watch people honor what the Holy Spirit's doing. Because it marked so many of us in profound ways. So I'm going to briefly review honor for those of us who weren't here. What is honor? Honor means to prize. It means to fix evaluation upon. It means to revere and to value. Honor something that I do. I hold a place of value for you. And that is like a spiritual commodity. It like my honor touches you. And you can feel it. Your spirit can actually sense my honor. Does that make sense? The word tamau in the Bible, the NIV, it's 175 times it appears. That's a lot of times. You know why it appears a lot of times? Because honor's part of the kingdom of God. Honor's a key part of the kingdom of God operating. There's a scripture verse that says the Father actually honors us. When we obey the words of Jesus, the Father honors us. That's crazy to think the God of the universe would honor us, would hold a place of value for us. This upside-down kingdom. You know, honor's not a new concept in the church. We talk about it, but we mostly talk about it one-directionally. Meaning, honor your father and mother. That, how many know that's a really good command? Or honor your leaders, we're commanded. Honor the emperor, honor the king, Paul says. But really what we're after is a culture of honor. A, a culture where royal people who carry the kingdom of God inside of them decide to unlock the treasure in everyone in the environment. That's really what a culture of honor is. And that's not a one-way direction. That's a multi-direction. That's a 360-degree direction. Amen? And so honor is a posture of the heart in how I see, think about, and relate to other people. I choose to acknowledge the things that I see in you that are treasure. I, I choose, I make a choice. Nobody can uh, uh, choose honor for themselves. It's something I freely choose out of my will because I know that if I honor you, the gold and the treasure that's inside you gets activated. Honor elevates people into a place of empowerment. We see this with Jesus' life. We see Jesus so full of agape that he's so not concerned about him happening. He's so walking through the Sea of Galilee, and he's seeing people that need to be activated, people that need to be empowered, people that need to know that they are worth a lot in the kingdom of God. And this is exactly what God's called us to be, a people of honor, a people that are so much not about us being activated, but so much seeing the people around us to be activated. This is the agape community that God's called us to. So honor looks like two things. It elevates people into a place of empowerment. And it activates the treasure inside of people. 
The truth is, is you have treasure inside of you. You're a treasure chest. Jesus put it there. The question is, is will it come out? A culture of honor will bring it out. Honor is different than flattery. Flattery is all about selfish position and posture. If I flatter you, I'm trying to get something from you for a selfish motive. That's not what honor is. When I honor you, I am honoring what Jesus put inside of you. And I love this quote from Bill Johnson. He says this. He says, honor is where we relate to the Jesus inside of others. Jesus is inside of you. His kingdom is working inside of you. When I honor you, I'm honoring what God put inside of you. Wow. It's quiet out there. A month ago, we looked at Matthew 13, where Jesus is ministering in his hometown. Remember the story? One of you does. He's ministering in his own hometown. And it says, at first, they were amazed. But then something started to shift. Fear. Questions. And it says this, and they took offense at him. And Jesus says these words, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town and in his own home. It says these sad words, And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. So Jesus said, Not many miracles because of faith. Low faith. I would argue low honor converts to low faith. And low faith means a low release of the kingdom of God. Honor, faith, release of the kingdom of God. Those are all three connected. Why? Why is honor connected to faith? When I honor you, I have an expectation that you carry something valuable that needs to be released. And faith is all about expectation. It's all about expectation. It's believing in a God who's bigger than this world. And that if I have faith, I'm no longer hinged to the circumstances of this world. I'm believing and expecting there's a God who's bigger than this world. And he can superimpose himself anytime he wants to into my story. So honor is directly connected to faith. We see this in this story in Matthew 13. And the sad thing is, is that describes, that exact same scenario describes some of our homes. Low honor, low faith, low release of the kingdom of God. That exact same pattern describes a lot of our churches in our city, in our world. Low honor, low faith, low miracles, low signs and wonders. Describes a lot of things. You know, we're also biblically commanded to honor. Romans 12.10 says, be devoted to one another in love and honor one another above yourselves. That's a humbling verse. Honor somebody else above yourself. Wow. We see Jesus living this out, don't we? First Peter 2.17, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and honor the emperor. I ended a month ago with what Danny Silk calls in the culture of honor, the funnel from heaven. Do you remember that? It was the apostle, the prophet, the teacher, the pastor, the evangelist, and how when each of the fivefold gifts functions connected by honor of each other, the flow from heaven to earth can happen. That's powerful. Without honor, those gifts become camps. Camps of division where you got all the apostolic people doing their thing and the prophetic people doing their thing and the pastoral people do, And pretty soon, there's no flow from heaven at all. 
We get one of those at best operating in an environment. But honor, honor links them all together so the flow from heaven to earth can happen. And pretty soon we get the best that heaven has to offer in our environment. Only honor's going to do that. Nothing else can do that for us. Amen. You with me so far? Okay, so let's jump into honor in the home. Honor in the home. We need honor in the home. And mom and dad, if you're raising a home, raising a family, this starts with you. Because the little people in the home, guess what they're watching? Guess what they're taking their cues from? And by the way, if you're not building a home right now, if you're single, you're going to be building a home. Because we're either building a home or we're about to build a home. Preparing to build a home. So I want to encourage you, if you're single, don't check out right now. You are in training to build a home. Amen? All right. So what happens is, is mom and dad, how we treat each other, that sets the bar for honor in the home. Sets the bar. Meaning we're either going to set a high bar for honor meaning faith is going to be released in the atmosphere, meaning the supernatural release of the kingdom of God now is going to be able to flourish in this home, or we're going to set a really low level of honor in the home, and then the kids are going to learn that, and they're going to mirror that, and pretty soon we're going to be like, yikes, this is a nightmare. What's happening in our home? Or somewhere in between. The biblical code looks like this. Romans 9, 12, I totally took this verse out of context, so please forgive me for that, but it really fits well. Um, <laughs> Romans 9, 12 says this. It says the older will serve the younger. If you're a parent, if you're an older sibling, you spend a lot of our lives serving younger people. It's just what older people do. And Exodus 20, 12 says, honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land. Your God is calling you. So the code for the family is honor and serving. The older serve and the younger honor. The older serve and the younger honor. And this makes sense because younger can't serve, right? And so that's the code that God gives us for family is when we honor parents, we get the best version of them showing up. I always tell couples when they're, when they're struggling to honor each other in, in, the, in the therapy room, I'm like, you know, your honor is going to bring the best version of your wife or your husband. And you get to determine which version you want to see. I don't know about you, but I want the best version of my wife showing up. I thought that was going to go a little different when I said it, when I practiced it. I don't know about you, but I want the best version of my wife showing up. And I'm sure she wants the best version of me showing up. To be clear, it is my responsibility to bring the best me out in my marriage. There's, there's, there's no excuse of not me bringing myself out. But what I'm saying is honor actually unlocks the treasure and the gold that's inside of each of us. Amen? Okay. So the code for the family is honor and serving. Honor opens up the treasure in another generation. And this pours into me, and now I have wisdom that I didn't have before. And that's powerful. So when I honor my parents, or when I honor spiritual people in my life that are above me, that are older than me, something happens. What they have carried and fought for, wisdom they've garnered in their own life experience, now is added to what I've stewarded in my own life. And something of power is translated into my story. So we need honor in the home. We need a bad. And we get to decide where the bar is set, mom and dad. We get to decide that. One of the things I love about Jesus is how he related to children. Jesus related masterfully to children. Luke 18, 16 through 17, it says, But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Can you imagine 
Can you imagine that scene? The disciples are shooing kids off, right? Jesus, no, 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 no. Jesus says, ho, 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 ho. Time out. Don't you understand? The kingdom actually belongs to these. They've got it inside of them. Jesus is making a point. He's honoring what's inside kids. He's, he's placing value in a day and age where kids were not at the top of the food chain. In value. Jesus is saying, no, 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 guys. Don't you understand? There's value inside. These guys have it. They have the kingdom inside of them. I love that. I love the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. In John chapter 6, verse 9, it says this, Then a little boy with five loaves and two fish brings what he has and gives it to the disciples. And what does Jesus do? Does he go, hey, get that kid away? No, he actually leans in and is like, hey, come here. And I love it that Jesus made a child the hero of the story. Jesus honored and elevated this little boy. This little boy's faith to bring fish and bread to the master. Thousands of people there, and this little boy's the hero of the story. Why? Honor. Jesus is honoring what kids carry. Church, we have to honor what our children carry. We have to honor it in the home. We have to honor it. We might be missing out on miracles. We might be missing loaves and fish moments if we aren't honoring our kids. Amen? How do we honor our children? It's a great question. Glad you asked. We meet their needs. We let them fail with dignity. We don't shame our kids when they fail. Let them fail in dignity. Hey, good job. You tried. You messed it up. But guess what? You're getting better. We honor them that way. We don't expect them to be adults. They're not adults. We create environments for questions to be asked. Mom and dad, it's our job to create environments for questions to be asked. It's our job to cultivate conversation, conduit, where questions can be asked. It's not our kid's job. Time and attention, looking at them, slowing down and connecting with them. These all honor. They show value to our kids. Playing with them. I felt the Lord say, tell the parents, play with their kids. Play with your kids. There's bonding that happens in play that doesn't happen other places. Get on your kids' level with them and play with them. Get eyeball to eyeball with them and watch what happens. It honors them. It shows value for them. It says, you're a kid and you want to play and I want to play too. How we talk to our kids. Our words shape their inner world. You know, it's interesting. I don't normally talk about this, but I was learning a little bit about breast milk the other day. And um, one, of the, one of the very interesting roles that breast milk does is it builds, it builds a baby's uh, stomach. It builds the right enzymes inside of that stomach. And they're finding out more and more today that our stomach actually is a major part of our health system. So breast milk builds a baby's enzyme system in its stomach that will... Uh, fight off disease, fight off all kinds of things. And you know, our words as parents do exactly the same thing to our kids. Our words are like breast milk. It's a great bumper sticker. Our words, yeah, sermon title. Thanks, AJ. Our words build and shape our children's inner world. They build their self-esteem and their confidence and their basic understanding of, am I good? 
Am I bad? Do I have what it takes? Am I inferior? Is there something wrong with me? Our words as parents build a child's inner world. It's powerful how we talk. Give kids a voice. This one might be slightly controversial. It's okay. Don't give your kids a voice of authority, but give your kids a voice of input. Give your, teach your kids their voice matters. Teach them at an early age they have a voice. Do you want to brush your teeth before bed or after bed? Do you want to do this or that? They don't get to decide what they're going to do. You give them options and you give them a voice to make decisions. This teaches them they're powerful. This teaches them that they have value. This teaches them that their voice matters. So much abuse in the land happens when kids don't have a voice. So as parents, we're training them to have a voice without giving away authority. Amen? Jesus honored women. Women need honor. In a day and age when women didn't have a lot of honor, Jesus championed and empowered women. And I'm so excited we live in a different day and age. That'd be a hard day to live in. I'm so excited we live in a church where women are honored and championed. But you know, the most important place for women to be championed and honored actually is at home. It's more important than even here. And so Jesus is asking us men to honor women, to empower women, to activate the gold and the treasure that's inside of women. And we have a part in that. Um, I'll never forget a couple I worked with a few years ago. Uh, the man came in, and he was, uh, he was, I don't know how else to say it. He was just a very rude man. And uh, he was very rude in how he talked to his wife. And I, I was taken back. And I started asking him questions, because that's what therapists do in those moments when they're taken back, because they just start asking questions. And so um, I started to realize that this man had a very um, uh, dishonoring uh, attitude towards his wife. As I started to push in and ask more questions, I realized this was probably a multi-generational modeling thing, where this had been this way generation after generation after generation. And I was like, how am I going to work with this guy? <laughs> How's this going to work? This is terrible. And... Um, <laughs> So I asked the guy, I said, hey, okay, all right, is there, is there somebody that you admire a lot? And he goes, what do you mean? I go, I mean, is there somebody in your life that, that you would really like to spend time with or you've always wanted to spend time with? And, and he goes, well, I mean, I've always wanted to meet the president. Perfect. We'll take it. It wasn't this president or that president. <laughs> I'm not going into that anyways. <laughs> we're, we're staying away from that one. Um, I said, perfect. How would you talk right now if the president walked in, sat down? Well, how would, what would you, what would you talk to him about? What would you ask him? So he started telling me, well, I'd ask him this and that. I said, great. I'm giving you homework this week. Okay, what's my homework? Your homework is every time you talk to your wife, talk to him like you just pretended to talk to the president. What? Exactly. It's the last time I saw that guy, by the way. I don't think I was the right counselor for him. Jesus spoke. He spoke with honor. He gave women time and attention. He valued them. You know, there's so much I could go into about honoring women, but one of the things that I'll just throw out there real quick is it's probably a message in and of itself. But when we honor women, the treasure that's inside of them comes out. And that nurtures the world. Women, you are born to nurture the world. Your love, your kindness, your warmth, your power, your strength changes the world. And what we need is a company of men who will activate that and empower that. That's exactly what we see with Jesus. Jesus. 
It's what he did really well. One of the ways we honor women is we don't objectify them. We don't objectify women. We don't treat them like objects. They're not objects. They're people. They're people with treasure inside. If you're a man and pornography has been part of your story, like it is for so many men, I just want to encourage you, um, the destructive impact that pornography has on us, there's a lot to be said there, but one of the most destructive is it changes the way we see women, changes the way we relate to women, changes the way and the things that we expect from women. And it's very destructive. And so if that's been your story, I just want to encourage you and challenge you as a man, whatever season of life you're in, to do some deconstruction of that. Talk to somebody about it. Talk to your friend. Talk to a pastor. Talk to a counselor about it. It will cost you in your relationship with women. And it's very important that we deconstruct that stuff inside of us. Amen? Because I guarantee you, we will not be activating the gold and the treasure inside of women if we're carrying a distorted, demonic perspective of who they are. We will not do that. Okay. Um, wow. Most of what I felt like I was supposed to share tonight was honoring women and honoring children. That has nothing to be said that men don't need honor. <laughs> Men need honor as well. Men need honor in the home. Most of the workaholic men I've ever worked with as a counselor, when they came home, they didn't have a lot of honor at home. And so they found themselves not at home. And so it's very important to honor our men. How do we honor our men? Thank our men for carrying a heavy workload. Men were born to work. It's part of why Adam was created to be put in the garden we can handle a lot. And when, when women in our lives come along and honor us for carrying a heavy workload, it means the world. It's part of how we honor men. We can also criticize men's masculinity. Masculinity is under fire in our culture right now. It is under fire. And I just want to caution us, don't criticize men's masculinity. It's a tender area. Man, you'll close that guy up for a long time. Honor him. Honor him. He's in a process. We're all in a process in that. Don't objectify men. We can objectify men also. It looks and sounds and feels different, but it's the same animal. When we confront a man, confront him with respect. Tell him, I respect you, but here's the issues I'm having with you. All right. One last thing is honor among the generations. I saw a picture this week of a vault. There's a picture in my spirit. And what I saw was a vault, a very large vault. And behind the vault door was treasure, gold and treasure. And the vault door was locked. And I saw the hand of the Holy Spirit was, was twisting the dial of the combination on the lock. And what I felt like the Lord was showing me was that between us in generations, the treasure that we have to offer each other has been locked. And God is actually wanting to help us find the code that unlocks that treasure. Does that make sense? And this is a generational thing. And I believe that it's complicated for us. It's like we're stuck. My generation and the generation above me and my generation and the generation below me, it's like we're stuck. We don't know how to engage and extract the treasure that's inside of each of us. And when those treasures come together, it's powerful what happens. And I, I really feel like, you know, if I have something inside of me that I believe is gold and treasure and a value to give to somebody else, but I'm like pushing it out 
it comes across like self-promotion. It comes across in this weird self-promoting way, and it's like, I don't want to do that. But if somebody comes along and actually starts to pull that out of me, all of a sudden it's like through their honor and through their asking questions, all of a sudden I can feel the release of what's inside of me into them. And this is where I think we're stuck between the generations. And it requires us to lean into it and to get a little risky and try it. So here's one thing that I think. I think it's time to start getting with generations that are not your own and ask questions. Get with somebody who's not in your generation and ask questions. And all the last few days I've been hearing this, this, this phrase. It's Matthew twenty two thirty two. It says, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God could have just said, I'm the God of Abraham. But he didn't. He said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And in the context of that is, I am the God who makes covenants with Abraham that I renew with Isaac and that I renew with Jacob. And that scripture verse in Exodus chapter 3, it says, and all families of the world will be blessed through you. I think we're stuck. And part of the reason why we're stuck is we're trying to happen by ourselves in our own generation. And I think if we embrace a multi-generational picture of what it looks like for legacy to flow from one generation to the next, I think something's going to be unlocked. If we can understand and begin to experiment and even risk of thinking that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is also the same God today that has grandparents and parents and me and my own kids, four generations in the room tonight, I believe something's going to be unlocked. And guess what's going to do that? Honor's going to do that. Honor's going to open the vault door. Honor's going to begin to be one of the codes that opens up what's been locked away. The treasure in each generation being added to my life. And pretty soon, I'm not trying to happen to life myself. I have the wisdom of generations before me pouring into me. I have wisdom now that I can give to generations below me that can happen them to life. That's what I believe. I believe the Lord show me some of our younger generation actually has a lid on them. You're, you're, you're at the peak of growth right now until the door is opened and another generation starts to pour into you. Another generation starts to come alongside you and release what they fought for release what they carry in their, the treasure inside their vault actually comes alongside what you've cultivated and stewarded, and God's going to push you forward. The momentum of the generations pushing you forward. I believe that's for some of us tonight. Some of us who carry marketplace callings, some of us who play, carry ministry callings, you're at a lid, and the lid is because the generations aren't next to you. There hasn't been a locking of arms through honor and questions that are propelling you into your destiny. It's time. It's time we steward that church. I also feel like and believe that some of us have longed for mentors and spiritual fathers and mothers. And the Lord showed me for some of us, just for some of us, it's not because they're not around it's because you haven't known how to access them. And the Lord's giving us a key tonight. He's saying, if you turn your honor on, and if you start to ask questions, what will happen is the vault will open. The treasure that's inside them will begin to fill your life. Will begin to mentor you into the people you're called to be. Amen? Amen? Here's the cool thing about treasure. 
it's not for us. The treasure in me is not for me. It's for you. It's for my kids. It's for the people around us. The treasure in Jesus wasn't for Jesus. It was for that people in that town that didn't get it. You know why? Honor. They didn't unlock the vault. They didn't get the treasure of who he was. And we do the same thing. God's upgrading our honor tonight, guys. If you have faith for it, if you have faith for upgraded honor, he's going to upgrade it tonight for us. Amen? Amen. Almost done here, coming down the home stretch. I had a uh, very sad uh, thing happen. Uh, about 17 years ago, I was at a coffee shop, and uh, I was pastoring at the time, and I overheard these four young men that I knew. They were part of our church. They were just talking loudly, so I overheard. I wasn't eavesdropping, I promise, but I heard what they were talking about, and they were talking about the frustrations of, of being a young married man and of having kids and of all the challenges and stresses that come along with that season of life. And they were asking each other, how do I do this? What do I do when my wife's so tired at night? And what do I do? And, this? and they were asking some great questions. The problem was they were asking the wrong people. Three out of those four guys is divorced today. Not because they weren't asking great questions. They just didn't have the treasure, the wisdom of a generation next to them. People who come alongside them and say, this is how you do this. This is what this looks like. These are great questions. You're asking all the right questions. But this is what is going to get you through. And I believe that's just a picture. How many other coffee shops are filled with tables with guys doing the same thing across our world? Asking great questions to the wrong people. I want to invite you to stand up if you want a different connection with another generation of people. If any of this is hitting you and you see a need to have a different connection with generations not your own, I just want to invite you to stand up. And I want to begin to pray. Pray that God would break something tonight. Pray that honor would be one of the codes that cracks the vaulted door of treasure of generations next to you. Would you begin to pray out loud right now? Would you just begin to ask God in your own words to break the code, to unlock the vault that's been locked? Come on, church, begin to pray out loud. Begin to pray for the people around you. Begin to pray. Pray like your life depends on it. Your future depends on it. Your destiny depends on it. God, we do. We ask by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would break any and all things that keep us from connecting with generations, God. You are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God. And we just step into that tonight. We recognize we cannot happen to life by ourselves, God. You've created us to be a part of a family, a family that acknowledges and honors the treasure inside of each of us. And God, we ask in Jesus' name that whatever's kept us, kept the treasure locked away, that you would unlock it for us tonight. We ask that in Jesus' name. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to unlock what's been locked. Unlock the treasure that's been hidden from us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Amen. I wanted to, I want, you can be seated. I wanted to close somewhat differently tonight. Um, one, I, I believe there's ministry for people who've struggled with insecurity. Um, I believe insecurity is one of the things the Holy Spirit pointed me out that it will kill a culture of honor. It will kill it because it's difficult for me to honor if your honor means that I get small at the same time. If you getting big and elevated and activated means that subjectively I get small at the same time, that will kill a culture of honor. And so the Holy Spirit is actually here in power tonight to actually break the back of insecurity. And so I want to invite you at the end of the service tonight, the prayer team, the ministry team is going to be here. And I have faith to believe that we're going to hear some testimonies of insecurity being broken. There are insecurities that come up in life. That's normal. That's human. But if insecurity is driving the bus inside of us, that is, that is something we want to get after. Amen? Amen. But I wanted to end tonight with a special kind of a fun way, and that's honoring the different generations that are in the room. So what I want to do, I'm going to tell you first, there's four generations in the room. There's zero to 18 years old. There's 19 to 39 years old. There's 40 to 60 years old. And there's over 60. Sorry, over 60 crowd. We just threw in the last bucket there. And what I, what I would love, what would make my day really, really complete is if we have that group of people stand and we cheer for them. And what we do is we applaud, we cheer, and we push out that spiritual commodity called honor and value. And we say words like, you're amazing, or you're so cool, or we need you. Whatever comes out of your mouth, as long as it's honoring. Does that make sense? You guys up for that? Let's have fun with this. Okay, let's have fun with this. So here we go. Our first one's out of the gate. Are you ready? Zero to 18 years old, stand up in the room. Come on. Yeah. 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 Stay standing. We see you. We need you. You're revivalists. You were part of starting the wildfire this summer in this church. Your camp, your Holy Spirit night got contagious. We need you. We value what you carry. You carry so much. There's no junior Holy Spirit. The same one that you have is the same one that Jesus had. We're so glad you're here. You're not too young. You are not too young. You can start right today doing exactly what God called you to. The kingdom of God belongs to you. The words of Jesus. All right, let's clap one more time and honor them. All right, if you're 19 to 39 years old, stand up. Most of the church. You are so talented. You're the most talented generation I've ever seen. You are so creative and innovative. I can't wait to see the businesses and the ministries that you launch in our city. The ones that, that, that God speaks to you about because of your creativity and your innovation. I can't wait to see what you carry into our region. You are so powerful. You are not up and coming. You are now. You are generation now. Don't wait another minute to go deep with God and what he's called you to. We need you.
We need your ideas. We need your minds. We need your hearts. We need your passion in this church. We honor you. We need what you bring. Amen. One more clap for 19 to 39. All right, 40 to 60 years old. Come on! Yeah! Yes! My people! You're my people! No. You're all my people. <laughs> Man, we recognize, we honor the grind of raising a family. Man, that's hard. We honor the diligence it took to raise a family, to, to grind it out in work, to grind it out in vocation, to grind it out in all the other church experiences you've had. We honor, we recognize, and we honor that in you. We know you came from somewhere. We honor the stamina and the courage you have. You are mothers and fathers in this house. We need you. You're important here. You have a voice here. We so can't do this without you. If you believe that, say amen. 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 One, more, one more clap for our... All right, our over 60, come on, over 60. Such treasure, such treasure, such wisdom, such legacy. Wow, we honor the legacy of God in you. You are legacy carriers. You have so much for us to learn from. We honor what you carry. We want to take time to get to know what you carry. Wow, you fought for things in your generation we've never even thought of. Faithful, wise. Thank you for tolerating the loud music. The dark lights. You are fathers and mothers and grandparents to us. We need you. Thank you for hanging in there hanging in here with a bunch of young people. We honor you guys. One more time for the over 60. Let's all stand. You know, Richard Gordon was here a couple of weeks ago, and one of the things that he said really impacted me. He said he determined in his heart wherever he is, to be the most honoring person in the room. I was so powerfully impacted by that. And you know, that's what our Jesus was. He was the most honoring person in every room he set foot in. He was so much about activating and empowering people around him. What if we took that too? What if we, 400 of us tonight, said, you know what, I'm going to purpose in my heart to be the most empowering person in any room I walk into. How could we change a city? How would our homes change? How would our revival groups look differently? How would our workplace start to shift the atmosphere? If you, if you aspire to that, just hold out your hands. I want to close in prayer as we pray. Lord God, I thank you for every hand that's lifted every person in the room tonight who's deciding to take honor to a new level. I just pray by the power of your spirit, you would rest on us as a people, that we would be people who would activate the world around us. 
we would activate the treasure and the gold that exists in the people around us. We thank you for that tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's just give a shout of praise to God. Amen. Thanks for helping me end that the way. I thought that was really fun. So the ministry team's going to be up here. Remember, the Holy Spirit spoke and said, I will break the back of insecurity tonight. So the ministry team's going to come forward. I think there's a ministry team. Yeah. And um, come forward, get prayer for any request, not just that one. I love you guys. We'll see you next week.